The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, September 27, 2020, on the basis of 2 Kings 6, verses 8 through 17. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. We're going on six months now wearing masks. And if you haven't heard, Governor Evers just extended that order well into November to make it an even eight. Now, I'm not here to weigh in on the mask order. That's not my place, and that's not what this sermon's going to be about. But I think that the debate about whether to mask up or mask off reflects a broader truth about the kind of threat that we're dealing with. On the one hand, you've got somebody who's absolutely petrified of this virus. They're constantly wondering where it could be. Is it, is it on this chair? Is it on that doorknob? Is it spilling out of my mouth every time I speak or breathe? And on the other end, you've got somebody who also can't see this virus, but they figure it's out of sight, so it may as well be out of mind. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, it's obvious that the invisibility of this virus is having quite the effect on us. I mean, if I could just see coronavirus coming towards me down the street, I could move over to the other side and avoid it entirely. Or if we could just pop on our leather jackets and our knuckle dusters and meet coronavirus in a back alley and have a rumble to definitively bring an end to this whole problem, then we could probably stop masking up. But we can't see the virus, even though we know it's there. And I still have to leave the house to get groceries, to go to work, to exercise. And I can't hold my breath from 9 to 5 every day. So I'm going to wear the mask. But how many other dangers aren't we, aren't we recognizing? What other threats are there out there that can't be zeroed in on by a microscope or can't be spotted by a telescope? The, the Bible tells us that that the devil is real, and that there are many devils, in fact, and that for, this, for the time being, our world is their kingdom. But so often we, we fail to see them, but we see their effects in a delirious, sin-sick world. But if that's all we see, or if we're ignorant of them, then we also fail to see that we have a lot of spiritual defenders as well. And Elisha saw the enemy, that unseen enemy, in a very real and visible force outside his door one morning. But he faced it with confidence because he also knew that there were unseen defenders. If only we could see them as well. Now the king of Aram just was not getting his way, as you, as you may have just heard. He was constantly bouncing his army back and forth from place to place, trying to pull a fast one on the king of Israel. But Israel's army was always prepared, never taken by surprise, never taken off guard. And he figured that naturally, the only way that his brilliant military genius could possibly be getting thwarted was because of some loose-lipped Larry from within his own ranks. And he was half right. Somebody was filling in the opponent on all his plans. But it wasn't one of his own boys. It was Elisha, the man of God. Elisha wasn't, like, creeping in the bushes outside the king's palace. He wasn't running a complex network of spies to figure out what was going on. He just told the king of Israel what was up. 
directly from God into Elisha's mouth to the king of Israel. And he was catching on to all of his plans. So how do you deal with a prophet that can predict and prepare for every one of your military maneuvers? Naturally, you send in the military. That was his plan. What could possibly go wrong with that? I mean, that's not strategic. It's not even common sense. When you, when you know, or at least you believe, that you're up against a supernatural force, what makes you think that you're going to send a human force to deal with it and come out on top? And it's in this kind of nonsensical, persistent evil that I think we see the devil at work. There are sins of weakness, sins of habit, sins of choice, and then there are those sins that just go so strongly against the grain. Sins that defy all sense of common decency and even sometimes self-preservation, and those sins we call evil. I mean, what kind of anger does it take to arm a gunman with the audacity to walk into a school and shed the blood of children? What, how, how, how callous do hearts have to become before the sale and purchase of, of stolen humans becomes a profitable industry? These are sins that, that even sinners can't make sense of, that defy the sinful standards of sinful people, and yet they go on around us day in and day out, spurred on by an enemy that we can't see. In short, what I'm saying is that the depths to which human nature can bring humans is absolutely inhuman. In other words, it's satanic. But it's not as if Satan looked at what Ted Bundy was doing and slapped his stamp of approval on it. It's not like he saw the crimes of Jeffrey Epstein and thought, oh, maybe I can help him out. No, he, he takes people like you and me. He takes children. And he begins to chip away at the foundation with doubt. I mean, I don't, I don't believe that belief in an, all, in, an, in an almighty God is nonsensical. I don't think that's crazy. I don't think you do either. That's why you're here. And so what's going on in our hearts when we deliberately choose to do what God has called sin? Are we making, are we making God nonsensical for a moment, or are we just committing nonsensical sin against him? Are we really taking a time out to say there is no God? Or are we just listening to the voice of that serpent who whispered long ago, did God really say? Did God really say do? Did God really say don't? And so every time that we, that we, that we resist God, we are giving in to an enemy that we can't see. And because we can't recognize his strategy, so often we end up following his example. You're a consolation prize to Satan. And the way that he claims you as a prize is to get you to fight his lost battle with him. Not a losing battle, but a lost battle. We, we read it in Revelation today. He couldn't have heaven, and so he rages on earth against a victorious God. He's hellbound. And his helpers are hellbound, and in the short time that they've got, he wants to see you hellbound. So every time we resist God, every time we push against what he says, every time we commit that nonsensical evil, 
we fight that lost battle with Satan and we suffer that same defeat. So that unseen evil cannot be underestimated or ignored. Well, one morning outside of Dothan, outside of Elisha's door, there was a nonsensical evil. And there was nothing unseen about it. When Elisha's servant walked out the door and saw it, he must have wondered how, of all the details, this, this thing slipped past the old prophet. He had every reason to be afraid of what he saw. Those were real spears, real chariots, real horses. And yet he was also unaware of the evil that was backing it up. In fact, he was unaware of all the spiritual warfare that was going on around him. And so while his eyes were closed to those who, against, those who were against him, they also weren't open to those who were for him. I don't know if Elisha saw this coming. I don't know if he had thought to prepare for this, but he certainly prepared. Don't be afraid, he says to a man who is very clearly afraid. There are more with us than there are with them, he says to a man who appears to be surrounded, unarmed, and alone. And up until this point, we don't know what Elisha is seeing. But, we, but he's thinking, if only he could see. And so he prays, Lord, open his eyes. And all of a sudden, the skyline looks a little different. The mountains are packed with armies, armies of fire, flaming horses, blazing chariots, and angels. If we could see how great and how real the spiritual danger is that we're in, we would be saying along with that servant, what will we do? And the answer would categorically be nothing. We're going to do nothing because we can do nothing. The servant really knows what's up because when you're up against a force that large and that powerful, seen or unseen, you know, you, you, there's, no, there's no fighting against that. You can't beat them, and so you join them. And guess what? You still lose. But if we were also aware how, of how great our spiritual defenses were, we would never fear again. We are by no means helpless. And the, the sight of these angels was a display of the power that God puts behind us, in front of us, all around us, all the time. And we have every reason to rejoice in that because if we can be sure that the spiritual danger is real, we can also know that the spiritual defenders are real as well. Now, the fight against Satan is not won by our human wills because Satan speaks to what people want the most. But the triune God has equipped us with a set of tools that help us to stand against him. First off, as we see directly from this story, God has entrusted our earthly walk to angels. The Bible tells us as much as well. Now, I, I can't promise you that you know every step you take is ensured by by your own personal guardian angel. The, the Bible does not tell us that, but I invite you to think of it this way. When we get to heaven and are able to look back at our life and see how many times we walked through mortal danger, completely unaware and yet entirely unscathed, I think we're going to be shocked. And, the, and through the Holy Spirit, God's word speaks to us, showing us where we are weak showing us why we can be strong and showing us how to recognize the strategy of our unseen enemy so that we can be on our guard. And in that sense, we're just like Elisha. 
through that same word, Jesus gives us his powerful name to use as a shield between ourselves and every temptation we may come across. From personal experience, I can tell you that there is nothing like the name of Jesus spoken out loud in the face of temptation to shut the mouth of the tempter and to shut the mouth of the tempter after he accuses you. St. James writes to resist the devil and he will flee. And I promise you there is no better way to resist. All these tools and allies make the battle winnable, but they certainly don't make it easy or less dangerous. They're effective, but so is the enemy. And as we fight this battle, as it rages on, as our friends struggle beside us, Jesus gives us something far greater. Like I said, Satan has already lost this battle because Jesus has already won it. On the night before he, was, before he went to the cross, Jesus stood in front of the mob that would take him there and said to St. Peter, don't you know that I could call down 12 legions of angels right now from the Father to fight for me, to get me out of this whole mess? And maybe as he said that, this story crossed his mind. But the fact is, he didn't call any angels. He didn't get any, any divine help. Instead, he went to that cross and received every bit of abuse that men could throw at him. And not just that. No, all of that would be far too small. But he was made vulnerable to the wrath of God, to the rage of Satan, to all the pain and power of hell. He shed his holy blood so that we could be washed in it. He gave up his life and died our death so that by his death we could live his life. And why does that matter? It matters because by, now, by believing in him, you have an eternal life that Satan cannot touch. He can tempt you and overcome you and guilt you and accuse you and trust me, he will. But he cannot touch or take away the justification or the forgiveness that you find only in Christ Jesus. Because for Satan, the battle is already lost. And for you, it's already won. We've learned a lot about the unseen world from the last few months of, of COVID, this whole pandemic. For instance, I've found out recently that up to 3% of the human body is just bacteria. It's not even me, it's just bacteria. So for instance, and don't do the math, that means that six pounds of me is just bacteria. And for comparison, my brain is only three pounds. <laughs> but interestingly enough, if I took all that bacteria out of me, if I just like dumped it out my ear right now, I would die pretty fast. Our bodies need that to function because as, as dangerous as this virus is, as dangerous as different germs and bacteria are, you know, we also have bacteria that fights them, that holds them at bay, that keeps us safe. And so my point is that the microscopic world has, has caused humanity a lot of distress throughout history. Most of that before we even knew that the microscopic world existed. 
And yet through the Black Plague, through the Spanish flu, through COVID-19, these unseen threats allow us to appreciate a little more the unseen defenders that we have. I can imagine that, that Elisha's servant walked away from this whole experience with a greater appreciation for the world that he couldn't see. From enemies to allies, the unseen spiritual warfare that goes on all around us is something that we're going to have to take in with the eyes of faith on this side of heaven. But one thing we can be sure of, that our enemies are powerful, that our allies are more, and that the battle has already been decided by the one in charge. Amen. Thank you.